Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today and I'm very excited to bring you guys and good to see you again, Satch, good to see you again, Rob, good to see you again. We've had a whole trifecta of people joining us as some sort of collective to, you know, help each other out. So I think it's fantastic. Thank you guys for joining us. It's awesome. Um, before we go too far into anything in terms of... Uh, topics or anything like that, I do want to remind everybody, like the show, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, that way you get your email every day when we go live, which is, of course, every day. Um, now, again, anything we do say is our own personal experience because none of us are doctors. And uh, anything we do say that you think is a good idea, perhaps do your own research. That way, you will know and you can confirm everything else. If you have any questions or comments, do put them up in the comment section. That way we can put them up on the, the screen and discuss. Any thoughts or questions before we dive into the topic today? Yeah, just first uh, thought, just to um, add a little bit more to what Chance was saying by the thank you for showing up to the collective as a trifecta. The reality is that 20 minutes ago, there were no guests because the guest who was uh, programmed to show up had some technical difficulties. So three people stepped up on very short notice to come and join us, not to get in front of a microphone, but to be part of a team that is going to crack it out of the park today on a topic as yet to be determined, I think. So we'll figure it out as we go in real time, as we often do. But I just want to raise uh, or shine a spotlight on uh, Ann, Rob, and Satch for showing up uh, on very short notice. So thank you. Absolutely. Do really appreciate it. Um, we do have a topic today. And the topic today is actually post-traumatic growth and growth mindset. Um, this was the topic for the day. So I figured I'd carry it on for the new panel. Um, Which is good because that's going to drive Jason Subkowicz crazy since it yeah. was the topic that he chose to talk about today and he can't be here today. So I freaking love it. What's up, yeah. Jay? What's up? <laughs> you uh, can't got control the, the weather sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got the A-team going. Um, now, well, so let's get into this concept, um, post-traumatic growth or growth mindset um, topic. Does anybody have any thoughts or perhaps a definition? I'll pull up a definition in a second here as we talk, but any initial thoughts on what post-traumatic growth is to you. I'm going to put... Well, uh, I don't mind starting us off. Yeah. Um, no, unless someone's got a something. Uh, okay. Um, so this morning, I, I didn't really know what we we're going to be talking about as a topic. And the post that I put up on my Instagram uh, feed this morning is kind of relevant to the topic to some degree, I suppose. And uh, my I'll, I'll loosely reference it. Basically, what I was saying is I put up an image from my Pathfinder course. It was quite a ways into the course at that time, so we we're all kind of beaten down pretty hard, uh, all kind of shells of men at that point. And uh, uh, basically, I used that image with uh, some verbiage, and it was uh, discipline, teamwork, and uh, the ability to stop whining is a great way to proceed forward. That's how you kind of become uh, better at life to some degree. That's what I was taught when I was younger. And I still believe it to be true to some degree. Now, they're not the three secrets to the universe. There are only a number of things that you can employ within your life to make your life better. And so <clears throat> why I put that up is because I find that nowadays, and, and this is the verbiage I used in the post, is people who are struggling, who are, are in a really dark space in their life or in a dark space in their mind, more correctly, uh, because our lives can be fantastic. It's our minds that are making it feel like we're in a dark hole. Um, <clears throat> for those people that are out uh, there in that circumstance, they often go seeking out onto the interwebs for inspirational images and inspirational quotes, live, laugh, love, and all of the good stuff. And, and they're latching onto these things as if it's a, a life vest or a life boy that uh, is going to save them yet another day uh, in their dark space. But I disagree. I disagree that those things are the first point of connection. I think the first point of connection is to crawl out of the hole and then start seeking live, laugh, love. Before you crawl out of the hole, you've got to get disciplined. You've got to join a team that's going to support you. And you've got to stop your whining to yourself and all those around you. And I know that sounds really harsh and difficult to hear, 
But I really believe that that's the secret, that the moment that you take ownership of your dark hole and start kicking its ass through discipline and joining a team that will help support you crawl out of that hole, now you're in the game. Uh, so I do believe that uh, post-traumatic growth requires a little bit more than uh, follow your beacon of light. You can't even see the light when you're in that deep, dark hole. You've got to crawl out of it and then start looking around. Now, I, that'll probably upset some people that uh, they've got to do hard work before they go do the live, laugh, love, fun work. But uh, I do believe that there's hard work right from the very first second of post-traumatic growth. And until you accept that there's some tough work ahead of you, well, uh, all of the inspirational quotes in the world, whether it's Churchill or Shakespeare, ain't going to help you get out of the hole. Only you can help yourself get out of the hole by connecting with a team that's going to hold you accountable and you're going to do some hard work. But Musashi said so-and-so. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> uh, well, let's, uh, let's get into it a little bit more. Any thoughts on that, anybody? Anne, you got any thoughts? Yeah, this is it's taking me back. Um, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder uh, back in October of 2021, and it was incident related, um, but it also came off of years of working within a toxic work environment. And I just felt at that time that I didn't understand what was going on cognitively. Um, I also felt that I wasn't in a culture or an environment that I felt safe enough to share it was actually an act of compassion from somebody else who was hearing what I was saying. And it wasn't, I wasn't going into full depth of it. I was going in just little things I was talking about. And it was somebody that helped steer me in a direction that I needed to go, which was psychology at the time, um, in order to learn about it. But I needed to be able to feel safe in order to begin that process of growth and you know you fast forward to today i agree wholeheartedly with sean i think that once you learn about your symptoms you hear from others how they're um they feel with their symptoms you begin to develop uh, some trust you begin to develop a little bit of confidence in your own understanding and then you have the capacity then to dial it in and to get that focus that you need in order to do the work. But it all started with me. It started with compassion. I just needed somebody to give a heck about me and to say, hey, remember, you can do this. It's just a whole matter of relearning or unlearning what I had, the story I had been telling myself. So I needed to kind of, there was a space where I needed to get to that period of dialing it in. And that's where I'm, I'm at right now. And that is why the collective helps me because now I'm at a point where the, the others that are in, within the collective, they all have their own strengths. They all have their own interests. They all, all have their own stories of inspiration. They are all given and that's helping me to continue to have that discipline. Yeah, I just, uh, if I may, uh, just on one word, I want to focus on one word that you said, Anne, and it's a critical word, and that's compassion. And so that compassion can come in many forms. It can come in a hug, or it can come in a bark. It can come yes. in a, a finger wagging, or it can come in an arm around a shoulder. Compassion is sometimes conflated into a one-dimensional word of giving someone mega love. And, and in, in someone's mind, they then quickly attribute that to a hug and a good cry. Well, that can be compassion, but compassion can also be someone holding you critically accountable. Not overly harsh, but just saying, hey, enough, let's get to work. That's compassion at the right time with the right person from the right person. So I just want to make yeah. sure that compassion is a three-dimensional word, not just the simple one-dimensional word that a lot of society considers it, considers it as. I agree wholeheartedly, and I'll just add to that. I needed somebody who I knew uh, wanted the best for me and would tell me what I, what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. And 
I am that animal. I, I don't mind it when people are blunt and honest with me. In fact, I need that in my life in order to achieve and learn and say, hey, like this, because the anxiety that comes often with the post-traumatic, it leads us down a, a rabbit hole or it leads us on a path that is not necessarily reality. It is it is the environment and the situation that we're in and how we're perceiving it. And, you know, and I've had conversations, um, you know, with, with uh, Saj and Seb about this when we were out in uh, BC with the mental health walk. And, you know, I watch your lives because I like your, strate your strategic thinking. I like, like you put it out there and you call people out on stuff, which I appreciate. But that is an act of compassion. You are right. You call people on their the story that they're telling themselves, which isn't true. So thank you for for underlining that there is difference. It is compassion, but it's a it's a larger scale than what we sometimes think it to be. Absolutely. Um, Thatch, you got any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind when you guys are talking compassion is I just think about caring, right? So if someone's going to care. They're going to want the best of you, best for you. And, you know, sometimes if you're not, um, like for me, for example, there was a time where I was in that sort of ditch, right? And, and I needed to hear certain things. I didn't need a hug so much. I needed to hear certain things to get me activated so I can start moving in a direction that was going to be positive. So, yeah, I agree, man. Compassion is a three-dimensional word, not as one-dimensional one. 100%. How about yourself, Rob? Anything? Yeah, I think... Uh going to touch on what Sean said, just because I, I, I think we're in complete agreement. I might use different words, though. But, uh, you know, the, I think he, he laid it out quite well in terms of like the path, right? Like we do as a society, we've got this, I don't know, um, we've got this habit of, yes, turning to external sources of motivation, right? Or, or as Sean said, it inspiration. Uh, and I actually separate those because this is where I'll get fancy with my words, right? Like that, that first step, that crawling out of the hole, and number one, you know, you need a lot of compassionate people around you to start digging yourself out of that grave kind of deal. But once you're on that path, right, I look at the the whole post-traumatic growth cycle, not in terms of just recovery, but it's also in terms of true growth, right? So we get back to baseline and then we hopefully learn some lessons that whatever this traumatic experience, right, over either over a long period of time or a short amount of time is trying to teach us or if there's lessons that we can learn. So I, I look at, you know, a critical juncture of that path. <laughs> is is the introspective uh component that leads to self-inspiration right so like i i look at you know a death of a family member right an event like that uh, especially a brain in recovery or in mourning will be thinking lessons that the average day-to-day -day person just isn't thinking right like it reminds you of what a person like the person who died what were they like did that inspire me? Dude, I aspire to be that person. What would it take for me to become that person now that I've had this harsh reminder that they're gone, right? Mm. So it, I think that crucial step is that, that ability to look inside and be truly honest with oneself. And when you can't, having a compassionate network around you that can kind of, you know, nicely slap you on the back of the head being like, you know what you need to do, right? Mm. And, and I'm going to be here to, to hit you on the back of the head when you need it and then a hug when you when you don't, you know? Absolutely. Uh, we got a great comment from uh, Tanya here. She says, was diagnosed with complex PTSD related to childhood, and I needed to learn which way was up via a team, which was the start of the climb. And I think that's a great point because there's a lot of point, there's a lot of points in time where you're in that hole and you don't know which way is up because you've been in it for so long. It's just all darkness. But um, divers in the unit used to say this all the time, bubbles up. So you can always follow your bubbles up, right? And that starts with the team teaching you to follow the bubbles if you need to know which way is up follow the bubbles so i, I just love the fact that she says need to learn which way was up via team now any other thoughts which on is, that which is good yeah yeah so yeah. let's just uh talk about that for a sec the example that you gave bubbles up is fantastic for someone who's diving well mm. yeah uh, but what we're not talking about that we're talking about someone who's 120 feet down in a black cave and can't see any bubbles at all and by the way has no diving partner and by the way has no rope to ascend on and by the way is low on oxygen and by the way is panicking and by the way dot 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 
So though the example is, in the spirit of it, a good idea, that is not the case for someone who's trying to crawl out of a dark hole of their mind. And so they don't have any bubbles to refer to. They're, what they're seeking right now is a, desperately is someone else in that cave with them, someone in that pitch black that they can, as they've been like clawing around trying to hit something that's human. Once they touch a human, now, they, now they're, they've started the process of, whoa, there's someone else either in this with me or can understand uh, where I am right now. Maybe the person that they reached out and touched in that dark cave dove down to them confidently touched them on the shoulder and said, I gotcha, now I'm going to steer you up because that individual can't follow the bubbles that they can't see. And that is a really panic inducing environment. Uh, so I think that uh, though the spirit is correct, uh, I feel that there's the step before that is someone in that dark hole and not knowing where to turn. Yeah, I'll jump in here real quick. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because right when I was reading that from Tanya, I was like, yeah, cool but like what if this person's kind of like me a few years ago and i was i didn't have anybody around me and what do you do so and so i just started thinking on the top of my head i mean i guess it's up to the person like a little bit of individual responsibility trying to figure out okay, i need to find somebody and start searching for someone like at least for me i was just trying to search for someone that i wanted to be like and then through that process you kind of eventually can find someone that can support you i think I don't know. What do you guys think? Anybody? Anne? I, I agree with that. I When I go back to my friend who was also my colleague at the time, um, it was kind of like the throwing the life raft out to me. I just felt so isolated. I had just gone through a separation. Um, I was having to move into a new house, start over, look after two children. Um, at the same time, my workplace was crumbling. There was stuff going on there. I just didn't know who that I could trust, who I could, who I could reach out to. And, you know, credit to Sean for saying, I didn't know, I couldn't see the bubbles. I, I didn't, and I didn't trust anybody around me. So all I did was isolate. And I had to break out of that some way, somehow. And that's what happened with the, uh, the friend that ended up directing me to say, hey, you know, give this, give this person a shot. And then once I got into that space, it was a safe environment that I could start to <clears throat> measure my perspective with somebody else and be called on some of the things. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's tricky to to get to get out of there to even just find the direction. I don't even know if that answers the question. But. No, it makes a lot of sense. The uh, it, I, I yeah the the concept of the team I think is crucial, and I think you know Sean, you pointed it out, and we've kind of all reiterated it. I have a definition here of what post traumatic growth is from Psychology Today, um, and it states that post traumatic growth is the pause positive psychological change that some individuals experience after a life crisis or traumatic event. Post-traumatic growth doesn't deny deep distress, but rather posits that adversity can unintentionally yield changes in understanding oneself, others, and the world. And I think that's what your post was more, more uh, not more so about, but more in line with from this morning. Am I... Yeah, to, to some degree, for sure. I mean, uh, I would say that adversity is a given uh, as a requirement for post-traumatic growth. Uh, however, the main focus that I was really making was you got to find yourself a team. Mm. Whether that team is just you and another person in that dark cave with no bubbles trying to figure it out, you got to find at least one person. But if you can turn that one person into 10 people, or in this case, it's four people. Uh, I've got four friends on this panel right now. And so I've, I, I can see my bubbles right now. I can see uh, we're all, whether we're all on the surface water right now or we're 10 feet under or 120 feet under, I don't care because I got a team. The moment that I got a team, I'm good to go. And so uh, I think that mostly I was focusing on anyone out there who's struggling in the dark space of their mind, find a team. And if that means your neighbor who gave you a bit of compassion once, two years ago, and that's the last time you had a bit of compassion, well, go knock on their door. 
and, and say, hey, do you want to go for coffee sometime? Or uh, find a way to connect with another human so that you can create a bond, a team. And, and through that process, you can then build off of that team. And you'll eventually you'll start bumping into your kind of people, the people that resonate with you. And, and once that occurs, well, now you can start applying some discipline in your life and start becoming not just a participant on the team, but an active member of the team who is providing something into the team, who is an integral part of the team. And so I feel mostly my post was about, you got to get a team. And the important part of a team besides the peer support that you get, and this is, I didn't want to build it out of my post this morning. I just didn't have enough time. And, and I just thought it'll be too many confusing principles simultaneously i'll leave it for another time but essentially it was all about accountability because without a team you don't have accountability if you had accountability you, you wouldn't be a solo player in the dark space of your mind right now you've got to find something either within you or those around you to hold you accountable to a standard that is higher than the standard that you're in right now which is the dark space of your mind so a team will provide accountability Discipline within the team will provide you a place within the team that then becomes an integral part of the team. And then you're respected, validated, and now you're leading the way to some degree. And hopefully in the future, mid-future, mid long future, it doesn't much matter. Now you're leading a team that is, I don't know, doing good things, not just for you, but for the world around you. That was essentially what I was trying to put out this morning. I like it. I guess like it's important to also understand like it's sorry yeah i just want to jump in real quick um it's super important also to understand that people are going to do that it's it's not like next week it gets squared away or sorted out right it's 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 a super long process especially if you're in that dark dungeon or tunnel to claw yourself out of there man who knows how long you were far deep in that tunnel you were to begin with it takes some time to track yourself back out of it maybe takes a year two three five ten whatever but i think um the team around you is super important, especially, I mean, like-minded people, a lot of people say, I find like-minded people, that's a team, tribe, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, super important. You're right. And uh, I do, you're uh, right to bring up the point about time, but it is a, it's a velocity set by yourself, right? If you want to take, if you want to let it take 10 years, you can take 10 years to do it. And I mean, I did, right? It took me a decade just to get to a point where I was pretty comfortable with where I was in my own head. Uh, and I've seen people do it in two. I've seen people do it in five. I've seen people do it in a year. Do you know how much velocity are you willing to put into it? What does it mean to do it? To do what? In order to get out of the hole, let me rephrase that. That's mm -hmm. a good point. Thank you. Okay. In order to get out of that hole, I've seen people do it in a year, five, 10, 15, 25, right? They, it's just a, uh, it's how much, how deep the hole is first off and how how willing you are to put in the velocity or the sacrifice that's required to get to where you need to be in order to be out of the those hole. are two things but you only have control of one of them mm. the moment that you understand how deep you are down the hole however you come to that realization of oh look at look at where i am right now the next step is i got to do something about that and then the very next thing is assigning velocity and here is the critical point if you say, I'm going to do a one out of 10 and I'm going to take a decade. All right. The outcome is 10 years later, you're out of that hole and finally seeing some daylight. But if you decide to turn that rotary dial up and really engage in the process at like, we'll say an eight out of 10, well, maybe you're out of that hole in two years. Guess who you're letting down besides yourself? The team. 100%. And what is that team? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your husband or wife. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your city. Maybe it's the team. And so I'm not, I'm not waving my finger or wagging my finger at anyone who feels that they're in a solo journey and it's all about them and they'll take their sweet time, however long they want to take to get out of the hole because they don't see anything else around them other than their own brain in a singular universe called the center of the universe. But I disagree with that approach because you can do better than that. You can do more than that. You can do more than one out of 10. 
but people will hang out at a one out of 10 because they're the center of their own universe and they're not performing for the team around them. The moment that you adjust your mindset to it's for the team, that's when you can turn that one out of 10 to a two out of 10 at a freaking bare minimum. So uh, I feel that uh, if you want to take 10 years to get out of your hole, if you've got the luxury of 10 years to get out of the hole, well, maybe you just don't have a team around you. But if you've got a freaking team around you, you don't have the luxury of dogging it on the couch for a decade. You got to yeah. shake your head and you got to get with the program and start working for the team around you. I think it's also faster once you have a team around you, like in terms of the progress that you can actually help have, like, um, you have a team around you that holds you accountable, but you also want to help people and, you know, be part of that team. And then through that process, you're actually helping yourself so that you're getting to that start line a lot faster rather than sitting on your own rotary dial number one <laughs> and just trying to figure it out by yourself for 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. Rob, you got any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I mean, all of that was awesome. <laughs> I, I can't disagree with any of it. I think I'll, I'll take an, just a slightly tangential route. So the part of that discussion, I think it's, you know, often uh, missed just in general, not here, just in general is like, you know, we say things like team tribe. I absolutely agree. These things are core. Like if you want to survive and X and, and thrive as a human being, team oriented sort of uh, action and, and behavior, I, I think is the number one way to get there. But like for someone who's unfamiliar with or is, you know, maybe in a crisis or maybe in some deep, dark hole, like the definition of what a team or tribe is. And what I mean by that, I don't mean just a collection of people. I mean, like in the sense of like, what's the difference between acquaintances and actual friends, right? Like, and, and, and some people have a, a problem uh, conflating, you know, say acquaintance with uh, friendship or attention as caring and the, the things don't have to overlap, right? So, you know, much like, you know, Sean was saying in the beginning, like it takes a first step for a human being to start to climb up the well, right? Before anything else happens. I think truly to achieve a tribe mindset, you have to first decide that you deserve people more than just fair weather friends, right? Like you need to surround yourself with people who truly give a crap and you vice versa to them who are all working towards the same goal. Like if you're going to call up your friends when you're going through a crisis and mysteriously they're not picking up the phone, you aren't in a tribe. You're just in a mass of people all stumbling around, hitting their heads off the wall somewhere in the dark, right? Like at some point, and it took me a long time. <laughs> I spent most of my 20s with, you know, really good people around me. I'm not saying that you're, you're surrounding yourself with bad people, but there were, were most of them around for the things I truly needed? Probably not, but they were around for partying, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. And there's a difference. Yeah. We can, we can kind of get ourselves trapped in that mode of like, well, I know a lot of people, but zero of them will show up on my worst day. Yeah. Yeah. But also I think another point that to, to consider is also, um, how do you know what tribe or what kind of people you're like-minded to, unless you figure out yourself first. So to identify what kind of person you are to begin with, then you can start figuring out what kind of tribe you want around you. I mean, I was like that man. I'm for, I'm 45, man, it's 40 some odd years. I, I, I was, I thought I was in the right tribes and didn't really know myself, didn't understand myself, but I think, you know, when you're in that dark tunnel, that's also an opportune time to start figuring out what kind of person you are, what kind of person you want to be, and then start creating a mission statement for your life and then start moving forward. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'll, I'll agree, jump, Satch. Okay. Go ahead, if I can jump in a little bit here, and I think it goes back to your first comment, right? Um, when, when you're, it's one thing to be part of the collective. It's a whole other thing to be all in for yourself. And you need to be able to be comfortable and give yourself permission to value yourself and to be selfish, if you want to use that term, to invest in yourself. In order to get the growth, you have to become present, mentally, physically, emotionally present. You need to become aware. And that takes training. That takes um, commitment and consistency over a period of time in order to learn about yourself and what you truly need. 
not worrying about what everybody else in your life needs. I had this conversation with my own kids the other day. You'd like, cause they're, they're starting to get into the age where there's a lot of distractions that are out there. There's a lot of people that will try to get you to come with them or try it this way. And it's people have a hard time saying, no, that's not for me. You know, even if you want to look at alcohol, right? The one drug that is, you know, there's social pressure to use and you have to become selfish. You have to become relentless. You have to become very aware of what your own personal values are, what your identity is, what you want in your life and what you don't want in your life and aim your goal towards that. It just, but you, but if you don't have that, if you've never had that in your life, then it takes practice and it's going to take you to find someone to remind you of that. I had a trainer that asked me what my, what my top five values were, my top five qualities were. I'd never thought about it in my life. And then once I did, I was like, oh, my whole life, I'm not really aligning with my own values, health and family. I'm putting everything into work, everything into something else external. And I think that is what you said. Like we, we put a lot of value in outside of ourselves, external of ourselves. And it, it almost takes something catastrophic at times to make us change our trajectory in order to get us back on the track that we need to, to internalize, to take that ego from outward, to feed it inward so that we really meet what we need and we learn and we grow from what we've experienced and what we're, what the, what the symptoms and post-traumatic is trying to teach us because ultimately what it's trying to teach us is there's some room to develop some boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not selfish though. Right. I think it's almost selfish not to um, square yourself away because then you can't help anyone else after. So I'd, I'd argue that it's, um, it's not selfish. It's actually, you're doing it for the team so that you can, affect change on a grander scale yeah that's how i feel yeah it really comes back to self-worth right i think and yeah. being able to look at yourself as worthy of the things that you have and the things that you're seeking and then utilizing the skill sets uh, around being worthy enough to do it um, in order to accomplish it Rob, yeah but what is self-worth because i mean if you're down if you're 120 feet down in the dark cave with no bubbles and no one there with you struggling in the dark How'd you get self-worth? You gotta build it. You sure do. How'd you do that? Hard things. Chasing adversity. Yeah. Well, yeah. Discipline, think... focus, pursuing adversity, looking for a team that is going to inspire you, et cetera, et cetera. These are down in that cave when you're looking for self-worth. You you don't gain self-worth by bumbling around in the dark cave for the rest of your life. How do you gain worth in that moment? There's nothing but darkness. You've got to go seek more for yourself. And that means moving towards the light that eventually maybe you'll be able to track some bubbles and hopefully you're ascending with someone who understands the decompression stages all along the way so that you're not getting all janked up because uh, you, you ascended too fast. There is a process for all things in life, particularly for post-traumatic growth, I feel. And, and it's not something that uh, anyone should engage in uh, carelessly. Because if you ascend too fast, well, you're going to get decompression cramps, perhaps. Or maybe it is a case of uh, you find the right velocity to ascend, but because you're ascending in a bizarre way, like maybe you're ascending upside down, I don't know. Uh, now you're setting the wrong tone for the person who's watching you ascend as you track those bubbles. Uh, they, they, they ain't seen bubbles yet, but they're seeing a an individual ascend upside down and thinking maybe that's the right way to do it. So again, I feel that you've got to go pursue, you've got to go adventure, you've got to go seek, you've got to push the pace, but you've also got to keep your eyes open for those around you who have already ascended as a diver, as the example. Mm -hmm. Rob, you had a thought? Yeah, I guess I have lots. Um, you guys went in a lot of directions and they're all awesome. And I kind of want to just sort of tie up what my brain produces a, as a byproduct of that. I mean, Satch and Dan, I think you both like, 
hit something core to me, right? Is, and actually, Sean, like, I mean, you posed it as a question, right? Like, what is self-worth or where do you start? And like Satchi had said it, like, you have to, you have to know what you, I'll term it this way, you kind of have to know what you stand for, right? Like, and, and like, I truly believe self-worth, you know, it doesn't come from somebody behind you going, doing a good job, doing a good job, or like, you know, whatever. It's knowing who you are, right? And like, you know, we've all gone through periods in time of our life where, that can get a little fuzzy and I'm willing to bet if we all sort of correlated the rough times, uh, in our lives with some sort of phase of, I'm not sure of if I'm in the right place or going in the right direction, or if I'm being the person I want to be and not the conscious want, like what you truly want to be. Um, it probably lines up pretty well. Right. And like, I look at this, like, I'm going to use a really crude sort of analogy here. Right. But like how, for the most part here, right? Like how duh brain dead is it an agreement that it's pretty, it's a pretty negative thing to be a serial killer, right? Like, I mean, so you stop some random person on the street and you ask them that question, they'd be like, duh, <laughs> right? Like your core beliefs about who you want to be um, and, 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 and what you want to become should be as duh as that. Like you should be in agreement with the things that you're participating in or the things you're striving to be which then for me, right? Like that, that helps me know if I'm on the right path with the right people. Cause they're either, it's either that simple of a belief that needs no, you know, sort of argument in my own brain, uh, to go in the right direction. And I mean, for me, that's where self-worth really comes from is, is not being in conflict with myself, uh, on who I want to be or where I want to go. And, and to your point, right? Like you, that traumatic, you know, sort of event, right? It's a time of reflection of two things. You know, is it a reminder of the things that I know I, sh that I know I am or should be, or is it giving me new ideas for the things I want to, uh, to, to be right. And, and how can I use that benefiting or growing going forward? Right. Hmm. Like that. And you had a thought? Well, I agree wholeheartedly. There's, you know, when we have, when we have the ability to change our perspective and shift our focus from deficit to a positive. Yeah. Okay. So I went to an incident or yeah. Okay. I was harassed at work or whatever the situation was. Number one, I contributed to some of the things that were there, but they're not defining who I am. And ultimately, at the end of the day, what's so beautiful about this whole post-traumatic growth experience is, is the learning. And I will tell people that are in a position, like they're in a place in their life where they are just discovering they're struggling with symptoms. And I will literally say to them, be open to the growth, be open to the learning, to the life lessons that will come as a result of this journey that you're on because it'll be one of the most grueling and beautiful things that will happen in your life. And if you can shift yourself to that positive, it will come faster. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Like it will, it will come, um, what you put out in your energy, your, the law of attraction, if you will, cause I made a post about that today is what you put out is what you will get back. If you are not going to be open to learning, then, it's going to slow you down. It's just like that velocity thing we were talking about. But if you're open to learning and discovering and surrounding yourself with people who are sharing, it will come faster. Yeah. I think I, I kind of like in post-traumatic growth to um, like uh, if anyone's dieted for an extended period of time for a bodybuilding show or, or trained for an extended period of time, on, let's say a running block or a training block, there's a time where you need to take a rest and allow that adaptation to happen. And then you can actually grow a lot faster after it. So like after a bodybuilding show, I would diet for 16 weeks. And then right after it, it was almost like a month period where you can actually grow a whole time. So, you know, I almost liken it to that. It's like, give yourself some time to rest, relax, figure out what's going on. And you can like catapult a lot faster, actually, through that growth or through that uh, post-traumatic scenario. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, any other thoughts or anything before? I got a couple comments here I wanted to hit on, but everybody... Good to go. Okay. Um, quickly from Tanya, she says, Sean's right. I found it akin to lifting weights. Think long term, but conquer the weight in front of you, the set, the day at your max ability. Once the difficulty level becomes a crutch, crank it up. 
And yeah. Winter Storm says, I agreed, Tanya. And she carries on. She says, uh, for me, at first, it was a mental health professional as my first team member. This is a fantastic point because <laughs> there are professionals that can help you get out of that hole. Uh, more likely to have a wider set of tools and went through selection slash school. And your mileage may vary, of course. I do think that's a great point in the fact that if you are struggling and you don't have, um, you're looking around in the pitch black, there are professionals that can help you. Sure. Sometimes the velocity might be a little bit slower because it costs money though, right? Yeah. yeah. So sometimes sure. people might not be able to attend five days a week or <laughs> every week or whatever. So um, depending on how fast you want to move forward, you got to also add other tools to it. Yeah. I agree. And I don't want to diminish the professional uh, therapy uh, industry or all of the various professionals who are uh, excellent modalities, but I can tell you, uh, I've lost count of how many people I've talked to who have told me, man, after talking to you, I wish I wouldn't have spent all those gajabillion dollars and those thousands of sessions that got me nowhere. Uh, and so for some people, therapy doesn't work uh, or the therapist that they chose didn't work or they're really frustrated that they've spent a lot of money and a lot of time and they feel like maybe they're even further backwards. All I'm saying is don't reach out to me like I'm a therapist because I'm not. But what you've got to do is you've got to reach out to someone if what you're doing right now isn't working and find a yeah. different vector, a different approach, a different angle, a different way to, uh, to figure out the puzzle. If what you're doing right now isn't working, adjust or recalibrate your direction and figure out or hopefully bump into someone that can help you out or put you in contact with someone else who might be helpful. So I'm pretty sure that everyone on the panel could suggest someone right now, and I'm not asking you to, uh, suggest someone right now that is just a little bit different than the standard issue uh, therapy route of, uh, well, I'll just say nameless, faceless, uh, all the same uh, routine uh, processes that maybe aren't working for certain people. But I know I can say to someone like, this very second you should talk to my buddy who helps move the needle for some people and he's not a traditional guy maybe he's into um alternative therapies like psilocybin or ayahuasca or what have you there's just different ways that you can approach this puzzle uh, that uh, may move your needle uh, faster than you think just by simply taking the horse blinders off and and considering all modalities around you Hundred percent, Robbie. Had a thought? Yeah, um, completely agree with Tanya. The only thing I'll, I'll, I'll I guess, contradict here or, or say something to the contrary is just like, same problem with the uh, hey, like if you don't know who you are and therefore you can't find your tribe. Um, I was gonna earlier say yeah, like or just reach out to some mental health professional, but you know. The irony of that is, is that sometimes even that's too difficult, right? Like it's just hard for people to take that step. And even if you do, again, if you haven't done a little bit of groundwork uh, to figure out who you are and what you deserve, um, you know, pushing aside that there's people that just talk therapy doesn't work with, right? But let's not include those people right now. Um, some people have the experience that Sean talked about, which is like, you know, I've been doing talk therapy for like eight months, 12 months, whatever. And they're just not helping me. Like the from my perspective, top therapy, like that person has to be, you know, in any other setting, they would be in your tribe, right? Like they, they would understand you, you get along with them enough for it to, to, to work. Um, so yeah, it kind of has to start. Like, I, I don't want to say like, you know, a therapist isn't going to be able to help you, but you still need to kind of enter that arena. Um, with a little bit of insight into what you deserve to have, right. And, and what you, who you get along with kind of deal um, in order to benefit yourself, I think, in that journey. And I think That's a respect factor is a huge way to increase velocity too, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting with a psychologist or, or a medical professional, you know, you're paying them, which is awesome. Like, I mean, it's all great, but maybe there's not a level of respect or, or the respect or the, um, I guess the validation that you give them might not be to a certain degree as opposed to a friend or a family member or a cousin or somebody that, Mm -hmm. you highly respect and they have their things switched on, you might actually move a bit quicker, do things a lot faster, or try to do things better based on, on that relationship. 
Yeah, trust is a hell of a drug, right? Like that's an important cornerstone. Of all that. I think you know, and you had said the word trust a bunch of times at the beginning, right? Like, and that's sort of what I mean about like picking the right like mental health professional, right? Like if mm-hmm. if they don't understand you, you're not going to build trust. You can be comfortable all you want in that room or on that video call by today's standards, but without the trust, you're never going to fully really hear them, and you're probably fully not going to do the follow up work, which will probably be harder than having that conversation. I guarantee it. Right. Like that, that yeah. personal uh, self-improvement in between talk sessions. Right. The actual integration of of what you're doing without trust, you won't do it. I'm sorry. Like you can tell yourself consciously all you want, but I've seen it a thousand times. You will just self-sabotage your way out of doing that hard work if you don't trust the, the environment you're in. So I agree with Satch. Like, you know, even to I'll mix it with Sean's point, like it's not even like, a, hey, can you find me somebody that's a alternative alternative sort of uh health professional like even it's just like dude i got i got a friend that's a genius on topics like this and i'd love just to like i know he would talk to you for 20 minutes because that's why he's in my tribe (laughs) you know like we're all that type of person like even somebody that gets it will build more trust than than something external in a lot of cases i 100 percent endorse that yeah it is a it is a challenging thing like we we could get we could dive into the the realm of therapy and i think we probably should as a topic as to um you know what what to do in terms of seeking therapy but we're going to stick to post traumatic gr- growth today and uh i have a any other thoughts on that i have another comment here that i wanted to hit but um as it goes along well i was in line i was just yeah. i was just going to add if i can give her um it's one thing to ask for help it's a whole other thing to accept the help Yes. You know, I remember going to my psychologist and quitting him because he told me to try yoga, which I've talked about this and kind of joked about it before in the past because I thought it was just another fitness class until I hit rock bottom. And then I actually went and realized, OK, there's other there's lots of other components and principles to learning yoga. However, like there are some other consistencies when you get into a community of care, which, you know, the collective is a community, your family is a community. But when you start to get into the community of people who are going through that post-traumatic, there's consistencies. And if you look and widen the lens in terms of the consistencies, and I'll use physical fitness as one of the consistent factors, you look at the members of the collective, for example, and I don't know anybody that isn't doing some sort of physical activity. There's a reason for that. And you don't probably have to get in there and say, why are you doing the physical? The thing is, is that everybody's doing something physical. So that is, if you're going to ask for the help, then be willing to accept the help. Because if everyone's working on their physical being as one of those factors of resilience, then maybe that's something that you should also consider doing a quick question though and if someone that you highly respected said do yoga would would you have done it well i i respected my psychologist at the time i was just not willing to accept his advice i wasn't were they a physically fit person when they were saying it i don't know the answer to that um because i don't know what he i don't see i didn't see him outside of the the psychology office Um, maybe maybe not but he's not running 22 marathons in 22 days i'm not talking about me but i'm just saying like if someone (laughs) if someone was like somebody who uh, that you may have respected uh, like, okay let's say if sean said to you hey do yoga for these five ten reasons would you have done it i might have had a different mindset on it um that's all my point i is. just don't yeah I, I just don't know if i was i don't know if i was even open to it like i was asking i wanted him to fix me but i didn't i wasn't there yet i wasn't ready yet to do the work i i, I hadn't got to that point yet that's what I'm trying to say. If, so if you're asking for help, that there's just another key factor in that is to get yourself to a place where you're ready to accept the help and take the first step. You, you made a, a really great point there. And you said, I, I wanted him to fix me or something to that degree, right? You, want, mm-hmm. you wanted 
somebody else to fix. And I, I had the same issue, right? I went to see the psychologist okay. initially. And uh, my expectation of that whole engagement was that they were there. They were going to fix me, right? Mm -hmm. I was obviously broken. I'm here. Fix me. But I wasn't putting into practice any of the work that was actually being done. And I think that that is such a great point in that mm -hmm. all of these tools, anything that you get from anybody, whether it be a mental health professional or a friend or a physical fitness or a trainer or anybody from the collective, you have to be willing to put in the actual effort to instill those ideas into your life. None of them are a magic pill. Nothing we say is just all of a sudden going to change anything. It, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you have well, to take those lessons and utilize them every day or every second day or whatever, but you have to institute them into your life. But you got to think about to it too, right? Like some of us who've created these ditches for ourselves did it for over 30, 40 years. So how, you know, you got to put some effort in to get back out of it, you know? 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd also yeah. say, you know, to your point, Chance, like the integration piece is key, right? It's the part I mentioned before about the in-between sessions. Um, but also, also to Anne's point, like I think the important part about that being willing to yourself accept the help that you're getting. There's a bit, and again, this all goes back to the trust part, right? Like, uh, and you might've respected your, your mental health practitioner, but I would probably argue you didn't fully trust them at the moment in time, right? Like maybe there was a professional yeah. respect to a degree. Cause sometimes that, that willingness to accept help requires, this is where it gets, spooky for some people like sometimes it requires you to believe in something that you previously had no concept of and and physically your brain still doesn't have a concept of like what do you like you know i'll go back to the fitness thing like and you started because it is a modern thing right like we have a very intellectually based modern society at least in the west right big tech intellectual property Blah, 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 blah. So we have seen the effects of people moving away from a physical lifestyle as a majority, right? In terms of, of, in terms of our economies and whatnot. Yes, I run into it all the time, right? Like we have pretty complacent people out there that get by not being physical people because their lives don't depend on being physical. And it's not just a realization of like, oh, I live a life that's not physical. It becomes, oh, I don't need to. Right? right. And some of those people you go up to them, like, they're like, Rob, like, why are you running like two miles every day? Or like, Rob, why do you like work out? Like, don't you work all day? Right? Like, yeah, but in my reality, those things can coexist. And just because you can't envision a world where it's important to do these things, because you particularly don't see the results, doesn't mean it doesn't exist and is not true. So sometimes to break that barrier, you have to be willing to trust that what you're hearing is good advice. It yeah. may not make sense to you, but you just need to go do it because it'll expand your horizons of what you are experienced with, right? Yeah, 100%. Sean, you got any that. thoughts? Or anybody got any thoughts? I do. Uh, I think uh, I'd just say this, that if I walk into an office and the individual in front of me is a total slob and they're explaining to me that I got to get involved in being more physically active, I'm turning a 180 and walking straight out of that room. Because you've got you've to live the life that you're giving the advice in respect to. If I'm telling people, hey, just do some push-ups every day, and I'm a freaking slob that can't do one push-up, how does that even work? And so I, I believe this, that in order to encourage others to uh, become better, you've, you've got to demonstrate the better. If you want to tell someone that push-ups helps, you've got to be doing push-ups. You've got to represent the advice that you're giving. You've got to lead the life that you're talking about. You can't, you can't lead from a dusty book as a slob. You've got to lead at the front, living the life that you're encouraging others to live. That is the essence of a team. A team is not a whole pile of individuals giving individual advice in individual lifestyles that are completely disconnected from each other, from Slobsville all the way through to Olympians. You can be a slob, but you've got to orient with the team that's called, I want to be an Olympian. And in order to become an Olympian, you've got to get right with the fact that you've got to do a push-up today. And that's just plain and simple fact. 
Now, the disconnect that's happening out there to some degree, I feel, is people are giving advice to folks who need advice. And that advice is coming from uh, either an institution or organization or a team of individuals or a, an individual who is not truly living that advice that they're giving out. And that creates cognitive dissonance. At least it does for me. When I walk up on someone and they say, bro, you need to, uh, you need to start running. And I know they've never tied on a pair of running shoes. How do I even take that advice? I don't have the time to explain to them how wrong they are. So I just continue walking on. And that is how I use my time wisely. If someone's giving me advice and I know they're living the life, I'll listen. But if someone's giving me the advice and they couldn't even touch their own advice, I'm walking. And I think that's a pretty good way to live life to some degree. Yeah, if if I can jump in yeah, on, sorry, no if I can jump in on that, I think that, that maybe that's something too that when you're talking about EMS, um, you know, someone who's spent 30 years in policing, like, I'm, I'm constantly scanning for behaviors. That's how I read people. That's how I read threats. That's how I read whether or not I'm going to trust. So it's just now that you're bringing this up to me, although that my, my experience with psychology was beneficial, it's just having that understanding or that recognition to maybe that is something that it's a factor that will contribute to the level of trust right off the hop because if they they are saying you know i want you to be doing 20 minutes of cardio every single day and i'm looking across to say but you're not doing it you know maybe that maybe that is going to subconsciously impact my decision um but we read people yeah. That's what we do for a living. So I think that's that's a tremendous point. I remember when, it's a funny story about medical practitioners. I went to see a doctor a few years ago just for like some joint issues or soreness from lifting and whatnot. And at the end of the appointment, the doctor was like, maybe you need to find a new hobby. I was like, bro, <laughs> it's a way of life, man. I'm not going to stop exercising. The guy, he was basically telling me to stop. So it's like, yeah, okay, I'm not seeing this guy again. Whatever. <laughs> it actually goes, it goes into... Um... You know, Sean, your post from earlier, you posted from your Pathfinder course, right? You are showing the example as this works for me and just laying it out there. And that I think is the key is that if you, know, if you really want to, uh, if you want to lead, lead from your own personal experience, which is fantastic. Uh, any other, I got a, some comments here I wanted to hit and then we can do some. Yeah, final just, thoughts. just on okay. that, uh, I mean, for sure. That's what I was demonstrating is I've lived that life. So I understand that life, but the post itself mm -hmm. showed a photo of a team. Yeah. And so it is a team that understands what's required for the team's success. And that team understood discipline, teamwork, and stop whining, get the job done, the job that needs to be done, the mission had priority every single time. I feel that some people have lost sight of their own mission and prioritizing their mission, both as an individual, but as an individual within a team. The moment that you can orient with a team of ass kickers, then you start kicking that ass. That's the only point I was making. I, I have a question. How many people do we know that have created a mission statement for their own life? rather than just kind of just arbitrarily doing it. And for me, I created one three years ago and just started executing against it since. But I wonder how many people actually do that because then that, at least for me, holds me accountable to myself now. And then I can constantly work towards that and know that it's a positive impact. Anyway, well, that's my two points. I don't know how many people do, pal, but I do know this, that there isn't a week over here that I don't say this sit down at a table with a pen and a piece of paper and don't get up from the table until you write down your why why do you even exist why are you here why do you have your spark of life why are you on this freaking little planet why are you here once you've written down your why figure out your how how are you going right. to become that thing that is your why and then the, the third piece and and the simple one velocity. is figure out the velocity are you going to one out of ten it or ten out of ten it 
pretty simple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, any other thoughts before I pound off these uh, comments here, and then we can do some final ones after that if everybody's good. Okay. Um, Tanya says, uh, I found it helpful to find a mentor who occasionally feels like a tormentor. <laughs> Compassion, yes, but no coddling. I do love that. Um, that's the benefit of a coach, right? They will tell you exactly what you need when you need it. Uh, Winterstorm427 says... Uh, not, not true, not true. Not true. That is coach, the perhaps? ideal coach. Yeah. That is the ideal coach. But there's a whole industry out there that'll give you warm milk and honey wrap mm. a warm blanket around your shoulders and send you an invoice for it. Good correction. You gotta, Thank you for You got to vibe with the right coach first and then be able to assess if they're the right one that fits what you're trying to do. Yeah. And then you can actually start working with them. Which is yeah. the exact same for a doc. If you want to go get yourself a psychologist, it's the, it's the same mindset. They got to be able to work with you. Um, Winterstorm 47 says, self-worth comes from reflection, but also acceptance of who we actually are. That's such a key, crucial uh, point there. If we have massive ideas who we should be, but can't reach those, then we feel worthless, which might not be fair. 100%. Um, what was it? Comparison is the theft of joy, something like that. Um, but I do love this point, acceptance of who we actually are. Where are you right now? Once you can accept that, you can move forward. Um, Ian Curver, I think accepting and own. Yes, 100%, own it. Or um, own realistic expectations. Or yeah. dot, dot, dot. Or dot, dot, yeah. dot. Yeah, absolutely. All of uh, that to say, you got to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, the new new collective t-shirt merch idea, the collective, a bajillion dollars worth of therapy. <laughs> there you go, Sean. He's got all the ideas. Uh, and then Carl says, uh, Sean definitely hit a good point. Taking off the horse blinders is key. There are many modalities of healing that our own mental blinders keep us from. 100%, Carl. Um, and then Tanya's got a couple points, and we'll do some final thoughts. So she says... Uh, we asked for help, but initially aren't willing to work. My turning point was, well, my choices got me into this hole. Time to choose differently. 100%. She carries on with, uh, for those with limited resources, if your therapist slash professional isn't specialized, but are willing to do their own legwork, they can be a path. And your coach, guide, shaman, teammates, etc., should be willing to work as hard as you, as Sean outlined, if not harder. 100%. So let's do some final thoughts on post-traumatic growth, and we'll, uh, we'll shut her down for the afternoon. Uh, Anne, what do you think? Final thoughts? Um, well, I guess I'll just reflect on my own growth. The physical fitness has been huge. I That's pretty much all I put out on social media, that every day I'm going, and it's, I will, I will not miss. Like, it's, I have to do it, and it's, my, my growth is learning that it's an everyday investment. When my physical body feels good, my mental, my emotional, my spiritual being feels just as good. Uh, when I build my strength, I'm, 50, I'm going on 53. So I know that I also need to build um, my strength in order to keep my body from becoming injured. So I can continue to do it, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop. And that's okay. I don't want it to stop anymore. I don't want to to let it go. I just see how much more of a life force that it is for me if I invest in that. I think the other thing is, is I'm appreciative of the collective because I am being inspired by other people who are willing to put the work in. And so that that makes me, I have to contribute to that team equally and push myself so that I'm bringing, I'm bringing myself to the team and I'm bringing value to the team and I'm not going to let my team down. And so as, you know, someone who has studied sociology and human behavior and groups, that's vital to recovery is getting yourself within that collective that those people who are equally struggling, but equally working their butt off in order to get better and to stay better. And that's, that's one thing for me. And then they helped me with nutrition and they helped me with the hydration and learning all about, you know, what is good. And then I put it into action because I see them also doing that as well. So yeah. I'm grateful for that. Outstanding. Uh, Satch, final thoughts? Mm, Post-traumatic growth. Well, 
I mean, if you've had a trauma experience and you're in that phase of post-traumatic growth, well, that's a gift. And it's uh, it's an opportunity to become better and then, um, you know, figure out your why, velocity, velocity, and then get after it and start working. Yeah. Love it. Rob, final thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Um, it's weird to term it. Like I was good. Yeah. I was also going to use the word opportunity Satch. I mean, it's, it's almost weird to say it that way, right? Like, you know, you're at some point in time in your life, like something has happened and let's be honest, like most people, if you ask them, like, how does that feel? They'll probably answer. It's like the worst feeling I've ever had in that, whatever that moment is. Right. When you're in the true depths of it. So it's weird to, for somebody to hear like, Oh, this is an opportunity, <laughs> you know, or like, this is a, yeah. this is a good chance to reflect on my life. Right. But like, it truly is. And I, I guess the, the way I, I'll say it is this, right? We, th we, this entire conversation has been a thread of trust, compassion, tribe, all that sort of, sort of thing. And, and really, you know, acceptance and, and believing in yourself ultimately, right? Making those first moves is in the midst of your darkest days, right? Probably, probably comes from some sort of trauma. And in, in that moment, all you know is the worst. So doing anything different is likely to lead to something better not to something worse. And you, you just have to trust that that forward step at a, at a worst case, you'll still be at the same spot. You're not going to be in a digger, bigger hole. Your brain has already decided this is the worst hole that I'm in, but doing something different, or I should say doing the same thing is going to lead to what the same thing. Right? So that, that opportunity to grow and just trusting what you don't even know yet, <laughs> just take the step. Right. 100%. Sean, final thoughts? Yeah, I'll keep it brief. Um, it's real simple. In special operations, I was taught a critical thing. It's, it goes along these lines. Earn your seat every day. Earn your seat at the table. Earn your seat in the team room. If you don't earn your seat every day, do you belong in that room? So that's a really important life lesson. If you want to be part of a team, earn your spot in the team every day. And you know what that does? By earning your spot in the team, you're working for yourself. By being a team player, you'll become a better individual player. So I'll leave you with this. Earn your freaking spot. Yeah, 100%. Um, I do really appreciate uh, the conversation, everybody. It has been fantastic. And Rob, Satch, and Sean, as always, fantastic conversation. Um, I, I I don't have anything to add. You guys just rocked it. <laughs> I was going to add a little piece there, but you hit everything I wanted to say. So thank you very much. It is fantastic. I mean, I have learned a ton. And I think that as we all learn what post-traumatic growth is, that allows us to build our own positive self-image, which allows us to grow into the person that we are meant to be. And you can do that with us every day here on The Collective. So we'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.